when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Court Today replay on C103. On this very chilly Wednesday morning, can I start by thanking everybody who contributed to the breakfast show with uh, Simon. Uh, Simon had a very busy breakfast show and and he played an absolute uh, blinder. And I can see from the text message service and the WhatsApps and I know talking to uh, Simon, he was inundated with calls. Uh, Well done to people passing on information just to make sure that everybody is safe when they're out and about on the roads. It's really on days like this that you appreciate the local radio and what the local radio can do for you. I was listening earlier this morning to national radio and obviously they didn't have snow around Dublin and you would swear the conditions were perfect. There was little or no mention until they went to a report on the strike at the nurses strike in CUH and then it was mentioned oh, by the way road conditions in the south are quite tricky this morning. So just take it care, care be careful when you're out and about if you don't need to go out wait there is a, a thaw on the way at the moment given another few hours and it should be fine. I know the Cork County Council tell us that all the main routes across Cork County were salted last night. The Grishers were out at 8 o'clock last night and they were out again this morning at 4am so well done to the guys from Cork County Council on godly hour of the morning to be up out making sure that the main roads are safe and that's very much is what has happened this morning. Once you get out onto the main roads it's okay but it can be tricky getting onto the main roads. I know John Paul in the city had huge problems getting out of his estate, even the estate where I live. You're kind of I could see my the way I was holding the steering wheel I had it gripped really tightly because I am very nervous about driving I don't like driving on frosty icy snowy roads so I was relieved once I got out onto the main roads I was fine and and that's all thanks to the great work of the Grishers who were out on behalf of Cork County Council they can't get to every road so they get out and make sure that they do all of the main roads so the main roads are fine but it's the secondary roads and the roads leading onto the main roads that you have to be very very careful of Cork County Council are advising motorists and pedestrians to exercise extreme caution when they're out this morning. Staying with the council, uh, Raffine and McCroom Civic Immunity Sites, they're closed this morning and that is due to the weather conditions. And the latest tweet that John Paul is sending in to me is from uh, Convent Hill in Bandham uh, from Kevin who said stuck for 45 minutes. I don't know what time this tweet came in at but uh, Kevin said disgrace, the road was not treated and that was outside St. Patrick's uh, School. We will update you if we hear from any more roads or bad road conditions 
And if you're out and about on the roads this morning and you have something that you want to share with us, give us a call. John Paul is taking calls at 086-2-103-103 and you can text our WhatsApp as 086-2-103-103. I'm just checking with John Paul. Am I going to a call now? No, we're not. Um, okay. And Clondrahad Bingo and Lotto is cancelled for tonight. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. Will we be getting cancellations throughout the morning? But if you're involved with something that you are forcing to cancel because of the weather forecast and the weather forecast for later on, don't know if there's going to be more snow tonight. They're saying very cold and frosty early tonight with some icy patches. So I think because the ground is wet and if it freezes on top of that, we are going to get some icy uh, stretches. They're saying a spell of rain later on uh, in the night, which will be preceded in places by sleet with snow on hills. So tomorrow morning, the drive conditions, well, I don't think we're going to have the snow on the ground, but we have very low temperatures overnight, minus two to minus four degrees. So we're going to have some tricky driving conditions, I imagine, again at tomorrow morning. So you do need to uh, drive with care. John is on the Cork to McCroom uh, road and um, he joins us with the latest on what driving conditions are like on the Cork to McCroom road. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Can you hear me okay? I'm on Bluetooth. Yeah, I can. I can can hear you fine because are you driving at the moment? You are? I am. I am. uh, We're we're hands-free completely. Well done. Okay, what are driving conditions like? Right, well, Incidentally, coming from uh, the secondary rows around McCroom area, appear a bit treacherous. They are very slidey. They don't appear to have been gritted last night. I'm open to correction on that. However, I had to use extreme caution coming off my estate onto the N22. So uh, between McCroom then and Lestarda, we were down to between 40 and 50 kilometres an hour, the long tail back of traffic. Now, incidentally enough, after coming through Lestarda, we're going quite smoothly now at uh, 74 kilometres an hour um, on the N22 between here and, say, Balancolic Bypass. is very clear. The roads are slushy. And as we're coming closer to Cork, the slush is, is disappearing off the roads. I'd say it's probably been uh, pushed to the sides um, by you know, traffic going east and west. And there is a thaw, uh, there, is a thaw there as well. There is. But, yeah. however, it is snowing quite heavily when oh. I left McCroom. Okay. Yeah, and it's just—it's actually just now just lightened off into small, like it looks like little raindrops hitting my windscreen. So um, it seems to be clearing up the further east I go in towards the city, but further west could be a different story. Now, what I have done as well is I have rung the park and ride just to make sure everything is going um, smoothly in Cork City because I need to park there. They said everything is running on the, on, on time and there's no interruptions. Brilliant, brilliant. And I think for most people, you know, you know, if you have to make a journey today, if you can put it off for a few hours, then do. I totally agree. Um, I mean, I'm going to sit here now on, on cruise at 74 kilometres an hour. There are two cars in front of me, about 60, 70 yards in front of me. I'm happy doing that. Yeah, there could yeah. be black ice. I think it would be foolish to try and go any faster. And a noticeable difference between traffic travelling east into Cork City, the roads are clearer whereas the roads travelling from east to west Cork or westbound are not because of obviously the lack of the difference in the volume of traffic. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Um, and we've had so, some reports, I know on the breakfast show this morning with Simon Murdoch, there was some reports of people being just lunatics, overtaking and just being silly with their, with their stupid and irresponsible with their driving. They will cause accidents. That's out. That goes without saying. Yeah. Without snow, ice or, or rain, 
there are complete and utter idiots on these roads that should not have a, a license. Um, I fitted the dash cam to my car two years ago and it's tremendous. Well done. Well done. I know the Cork City Fire uh, Brigade, they were tweeting earlier telling people to, you know, just drive with extreme care and they were saying that they were particularly busy uh, because they were out um, at a number of road traffic collisions. So you have to drive safely and I've just realised it's it's John DeLay, the photographer I have on the line. Are you out taking photographs today, John? No, I'm actually working in the city. I've I've, um, pulled back on the press stuff uh, for the last three months. I've taken a full-time job with uh, the new Malden Hotel in South Mal. Oh, that's a big difference for you. Big change. It's a massive. <laughs> we had to look at our. Um, we had to look at our. Um, let's say our finances. I know. Our, uh, I know. And our, our our future, without saying too much. But you, but you, 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 you still have a great love of the photography, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. And if I wasn't working today, I'd have the drone out getting some snow shots. Aha, aha. And there'll be gorgeous photographs taken today. All right, John, listen, we appreciate that. Drive safely and have a good day at work. No problem, Trish. You have a good day. Thanks a million. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. John DeLay there uh, joining us on the road uh, from McCroom heading into the uh, city. Hi, Patricia. Hope this message finds you well, says Mary, by text. Can you please announce that the roads from Drina to Skibbereen are very slippy and the drivers need to drive with extreme caution and that is still the same at the moment. So please take it nice and uh, easy. And Hyde uh, says another texter, does anybody know what the roads around Fremont are like? If anybody can give us an update from the Fremont area because I have information but a lot of my information would have been for an hour, an hour and a half ago so that mightn't be applicable so I'm slow to give out any information. Our texts that came in earlier, I can see the texts that came in on the breakfast show but I'm slow to give out any of those texts because the situation there could have changed. So if anybody has been driving recently in the Fremont area say in the last 20 minutes to a half an hour can you let us know please so that we can pass that information on to other listeners and once again thank you to people who are taking the time to pass on that information just so that we can keep everybody else safe on our roads coming up on the programme today we're going to pick up on an issue that we spoke about yesterday which is learner drivers and we'll be talking about the No Clancy Road Safety Authority ad by the way lot of commentary in on that that I hopefully I will get to some of it later on in the programme. Some good emails and, and other comments that we didn't get to yesterday so I will go back to that issue a little bit later on but when we were talking about it yesterday the problem for learner drivers accessing a driving test appointment came up and people said if the, if the government and the guards and legislation is going to clamp down on learner drivers then you need to at least make it as easy as possible for a learner driver to no longer be a learner driver and allow them to access promptly a driving test when they feel they are ready to take their driving test. We seem to have a bit of a problem here in Cork with our driving test centres. Do we need more driving test centres? Do we need more testers in order to get through what appears to be a bit of a backlog for learner drivers trying to get their full licence? So we're going to talk about that on the programme. We're going to get an update on wheelchair accessible buses for West Cork. This was an issue that we dealt with November of last year. We want to get the latest on that story. What will happen with the cataract bus post-Brexit will the service end? There was a lot of talk again about Brexit with amendments being put down in Westminster uh, last night and it just all seems to be 
such a mess and it's putting a fear into a lot of people, not just people across the water in the United Kingdom, but it's certainly putting fear into people here at home uh, as well. And we know how successful the cataract bus has been, getting people up and down to Belfast to have cataract operations that unfortunately they'd have to wait an excessive period of time if they're waiting to have it done here in uh, Cork. But what will happen? That service goes ahead because the United Kingdom are part of the EU. Once Brexit happens, which now we're on a countdown, we're on to to days, it's less than 60 days now to Brexit. And if the United Kingdom crash out of the EU, what will happen to the cataract bus? So we will talk about that on the programme today. I was hoping to have him. I was looking forward to a chat with the young competitors taking part in Ireland's Got uh, Talent. But literally, as I was talking about him coming on the programme with Simon when I was teeing it up, he was on the phone to John Paul, as is Leo Donovan from Bandon, to say he doesn't want to do the chat today. He wants to wait until everybody gets to see his performance on Saturday night. So he's promised he'll chat with us uh, next, uh, someday next week. And I was thinking about that when, well I would have been interviewing today I know he wouldn't be able to tell us how he gets on in the programme because that has to be left all part of the excitement of it but anyway so we'll talk with Lee next week instead and we are going to have our first gardening slot of the new year Peter Dowdle will be joining us if you are not saying many people are out gardening today but you might be planning and this is the time to put things in place or you might have a problem that you've discovered with your garden over the winter months I saw actually somebody um, put up on Facebook and I'd never seen it before a double-headed daffodil. I'd never come across it before and it was a stunning photograph. Love daffodils. It's great to see the daffodils out and about. And on a day like today with the snow, they'll add that burst of yellow against the gorgeous white of the snow. That's the one thing when, you know, John DeLay was saying if he wasn't at work today, he'd be out with his photographer. If you are, you know, able to today, get out because it's just wonderful to take photographs. Even this morning when I was trying to de-ice the car, I kind of stood and just looked around the neighbourhood and thought, when we're under snow, uh, the world just looks like a cleaner, fresher place, doesn't it? If you didn't have to go anywhere, it really is great. We'll also talk about the nurses' strike that's happening today. Have you been discommoded because of the nurses' strike? Have you had an appointment cancelled? Are you with the nurses or are you with the government? Your thoughts welcomed. A texter says, it is an absolute disgrace that no roads around Bandon were gritted. Why are we paying road tax? And that's from Tim in Bandon. And just some updates on the roads. Hi, Kilbarry Dunman Way a drive with extreme care says a listener and someone else says hi the hills in Cove are still impassable buses, trucks and cars are still getting stuck on the hills uh, in and around Cove uh, please try to uh, avoid uh, thank you for that and when we're talking about learner drivers uh, texter says hi Trish I bet you the learner drivers aren't the ones overtaking this morning the ones overtaking are the ones on their full licences not the learner drivers and you won't be hearing much about that ok thank you for that now on the nurses strike as we know nearly 40,000 nurses are taking to the picket line today the government is arguing that by conceding to their pay demands they will end up completely undermining the budgets the government's budgetary position and obviously the government are saying at a time of significant risk which is posed by a Brexit. The Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue said agreeing to provide additional pay rises for nurses now would no doubt generate knock-on or leapfrogging claims from the rest of the public service workforce where there are already uh, other well-aired uh, pay grievances. So 
basically saying if we give in to one we're going to have to give in to everyone one and another Tisha Gleave Radker saying pretty much the same thing saying that the government to accede to the nurses pay demands it would not be fair he says to patients or to other health workers and he's also saying if we give in to one we're going to have to give in to the rest so the nurses are digging in 40,000 of them taken to the picket line today on what looks like has is turning out to be the coldest day of the year. So it's not going to be the pleasant of days to be walking around on a, a picket line. It is, of course, affecting a number of patients. The HSE say 13,000 patients have had their outpatients appointment cancelled and you couldn't help but feel sorry for somebody who's been waiting months upon months upon months for an outpatient appointment. They probably would have got the appointment about maybe two, three weeks ago all excited saying at last something's going to be done and then to discover that the day you get your outpatient appointment is the first day of the nurses strike. They've been cancelled. Another 2,000 who were due to have surgery they've been told to stay at home and then you add into that about 10,500 people who are out in the community they will not be visited by a nurse or they'll be unable to attend a daycare centre or a clinic because they've been shut down. They've all become victims of the nurses strike today so they reckon about 25 thousand people have been affected. What are the nurses looking for? They're looking for an extra 12%. That's the pay rise that they are looking for. And today is day one of threatened stoppages by nurses. The nurses also plan to strike next Tuesday and next Thursday. And then they have three other dates pencilled in, which will be the 12th, 13th and 14th. There are three days back to back. That's going to bring the health service to its knees if we end up on those three days of uh, strike action. And then yesterday when we were talking about the fact that the nurses' strike looked like it was going to go ahead today and then we got the confirmation that it was going ahead today, um, we had a couple of people saying exactly how much do nurses get paid? And where, because you hear various different stories, nurses themselves say they're low paid, um, the department say they're not low paid, the ministers have come out, the Taoiseach is saying that they're, you know, reasonably well paid. And somewhere in the middle lies the truth of exactly how much do and nurses uh, get. So I did a bit of checking up yesterday. First of all, I looked at a comparison between Irish nurses and in the HSE and nurses in the equivalent over in England in the NHS. And if you compare a new entrant nurse, one going into the HSE, one going into the NHS, then the Irish nurse actually, and I was surprised by this, gets 21% more in a basic pay and that's based on current exchange rates. Then you put allowances and promotional opportunities because they differ across the the jurisdiction. But a nurse at the top of a HSE staff nurse scale will earn 39% more than a nurse at the top of the NHS scale in uh, England. And then there was an OECD nursing remuneration, some data I found from them, and they looked at the different pay scales and they say that the Irish nursing pay, which would include allowances and premium pay, between 2007 and 2017 was consistently on par with Australia and everyone accepts that Australia pay their nurses well. It was higher than New Zealand, higher than Canada and also higher than the United Kingdom. And then the Department of Public Expenditure, they maintain that, and they they obviously are the paymasters to the the Department of Health who pay the nurses, they maintain that 82% of all nurses and midwives are on basic salaries of more than 40 thousand euro 
they say that's exclusive of allowances are premiums. They say then that nurses and midwives allowances and premia, when you put that on top of the 40,000, that they will get, uh, contributes an extra 20% on top of the basic salary. And the HSC estimate that an average staff nurse and midwife earns over 11,000 in allowances and premiums on top of the 40,000 that they get by way of a basic pay. That's what the Department of Public Expenditure, that's what the HSC are saying. But then when you speak with the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation who are organising the strike today, today, they say that it's widely inaccurate to the point of being grossly misleading. They say that the pay for nurses and midwives in Ireland um, is exaggerated because it includes allowances which do not universally apply and treating shift pay in respect of night and weekend work. And they say that it's treated of its basic pay and they say that is wrong even though when I looked at it at the Department of Expenditure that figure of 40,000 they say that was exclusive of allowances and and premium payments so I don't know somewhere in the middle of it uh, is the truth so nurses are looking for 12% on top and the government are basically saying no can do if we give it to you we're going to have to give it to everybody else some of your comments in on that and we welcome your comments on the nurses uh, strike uh, today Michael says Patricia hi I'm always with the nurses and all of the medical staff and always will be. But sadly, says Michael, not at this time. I think for responsible people that this time they've got it very wrong, especially with their timing and the very serious threat of Brexit looming over the country with massive consequences. I'm asking the nurses, do they want to be the ones who would bring the country to its knees? Thanking you. And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. And Greg by email to Patricia at c103.ie regarding the nurses strike. Workers in the public sector who have been granted the high perk of permanent status should be obliged to provide a permanent service to the public, i.e. they should not be allowed to strike. Strike and you lose your permanent status. That's how it should be said, uh, uh, said Craig. Now, I don't know if other people would agree with that. The fact that they have permanent jobs, they shouldn't be allowed to strike. Kind of a little bit like the army and the Gardaí. They're not allowed uh, to strike. And one of the reasons... um, it was, it's not because they have permanent uh, jobs well it's, it's the nature of their work but they're not allowed uh, to strike would you like to see doctors and nurses being forced uh, when they sign a contract for a permanent job they're also signing on to say that they would not go on a strike and then Betty says Patricia if if our nurses are so well paid why are we seeing so many of them leaving the country and why are we so dependent on foreign recruitment it doesn't all add up your thoughts and comments welcome John Paul taking those calls 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie see 103 Flora Gelga, RC103. Matt Lanter, is Ashdor Augustman Keen, Maricona K. Matt. Tosh Carabina is Chuka Dish, August Robuke, Erin Gaylord Abroad, Nade Gokto Tree. The Dani, Blockchain Parts is Ganon, Pitch Perfect Tree. Looks is Ashdor Ace, a Clark Televisa Timeless, Todd Deer Crash and Dar Cesar. Usik Sheikh Leva Hamar Ashdor, Sabine Gavilis Car, Erin Glor, Manhunt. The Court Session, Akfrair, New Ruja. Dominic Eakshin, Vogmat, Los Angeles, August Dyer Gamalesh, Rakshay Porter, Grey's Anatomy, Big Love, August Heroes, A New Session, Batay, Anakin Skywalker, Siskinon Cartoon Up, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. 
this is the Cork Today replay on C103. Just an update on some of the roads. Linda on Twitter says currently there's a lot of snow in Laura. Carew East, which is three miles northwest outside of Bandon. Uh, Linda makes the point that no cars have been down her road yet and usually by now there will be a good bit of traffic on that road. So obviously people are heeding the warnings and deciding not to uh, travel. And a listener rang to say it took her an hour to travel from Mallow to Castletown Roach, which normally would probably be about, what, 10-15 minutes? She said the road was absolutely treacherous and obviously she said it hasn't been gritted or salted. This is the main road between taking people from Mallow to Fomoy so the council didn't grit all of the main roads and we're hearing similar from people in and around the Bandon area. I know John Paul had gave had a piece in from Cork County Council saying that the roads were salted last night at 8 o'clock and again at 4am this morning. Now I don't know how they select the roads that they are going to grit and salt. I would have thought that the Mallow to Formoy road would have been deemed a main road and would have been gritted. But according to this listener, it's certainly there was no evidence of it being salted last night or this morning. And Mick was on to say he left Ballancolic at a quarter past five this morning and didn't arrive on, into Butterfant until a quarter past eight. So from quarter past five, six, seven, eight, three hours he said, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I know it was snowing, but he says there was long, long delays in traffic, which is really maddening. People were seriously frustrated last night in traffic as well. People slowing down to an absolute crawl while you have to drive with care. But actually slowing down to an absolute crawl is just making it more frustrating for other people. And I think what happens then is that's when you get kind of people trying to take risks and overtaking so common sense, common sense really has to prevail. But three hours for that uh, journey, I certainly can feel your pain. Mix. Thanks for your call to 1850-333-103. Keep your updates coming in and we will bring them to the listeners as we get them. But I want to move to a different uh, piece because during our programme yesterday. We did a piece about the Road Safety Authority and highlighting unaccompanied learner drivers. A number of people called us saying the delays in obtaining driving test appointments is only making it more difficult for learner drivers to obtain a full licence. Cork Northwest Tall Deputy Andreas Moynihan says local Cork waiting times for a driving licence is significantly higher than the national average. And Deputy Andreas Moynihan joins me. Good morning to you, Andreas. Hi there, Patricia. Are you, good, morning. Are you, uh, good morning to you. Are you in the county today or are you in Dublin? I'm in Dublin at the minute. OK, and you don't have snow up there? Uh, we've we've escaped it, but uh, keeping abreast with the with the difficulty there locally, because um, a lot of lot of people are still finding it difficult to to yeah. travel in the morning because of the the snow and ice on the road. Yeah, I was listening to national radio this morning, and I knew you'd know snow in Dublin because no mention of it anywhere in the country. Could, could you tell them it does snow down here as well when it's when when it's fine up in Dublin? Anyway, That's now right. now, what have you discovered about the waiting times uh, here in Cork? Yeah, we've been. Inc- uh, 
following up with RSA and with the Minister on this for, for a good while at this stage now. And it seems that while it's possible to get a driving test done in five weeks in Waterford or six weeks in Carrick and Shannon, you're waiting three times that for to get a test done in Cork. In Skibbereen, it's 19 weeks. Mallow, 18. And Killarney, for example, 15. So it seems to be possible to get a test done much faster in other places. And you kind of wonder, why why isn't it possible to do that for drivers in Cork? Because we want people locally to be able to get qualified as quickly as possible as well. Because I'm constantly getting queries from, from people who have their, te- their 12 lessons done, uh, they have a good bit of experience, and then they're stuck, they're waiting for to get the to get the, the test done. And Do we know if they have the same volume of applications? Well, th- you'd, you'd imagine that a place like, a city like Waterford would have, uh, and they've would, only the would one, have something similar. And they've only the one test centre. Uh, that's right, yeah. yeah. And th- that's the fastest in the country at five weeks. And Carrick and Shannon serving a big rural area wouldn't be very different from Mallow or Skibbereen, you'd yeah. imagine. And yet you're having to wait three times longer in Skibbereen and Mallow. Uh, 19 and 18 weeks respectively. So like clearly it is possible to do it in some places and why why do people around this region have to, to wait so much longer because they have the lessons done, they have the, the experience and they're under that bit more pressure now for to get the qualification and get the recognition for their driving so that they can get on with, with work and get on with their life. And as you say, when they've done their 12 lessons and they've put the practice in, they're probably driving at their best at that moment. That's the time they need to get behind the wheel and do their test. That's right. They, they've got the lessons. Uh, they haven't had the opportunity to pick up any, any bad habit. They're good drivers. Uh, you know, uh, they, they're in a very strong position and they should be recognised as being the good drivers they are if they could just get the test and that they're really being held back. And we've raised this with the Minister a number of times. Um, And I've I've been working with different individuals for to try and get cancellations uh, for for to get through on their, their test as quick as possible. But the Minister is talking about bringing on extra testers over the next 12 to 18 months. That's not realistic. The problem is here now and it has been there for some time. And he needs to look as well at the possibility of doing overtime with the testers that are there for to clear the backlog and to give people the opportunity of getting their licence, getting the recognition for uh, the skilled drivers they are and letting them get get out of that worried position that they're in about having to have an accompanied driver. Um, do, they test on, on do they test on Saturday and Sundays? There's more availability on the test side. I haven't seen that they're testing on the Sundays, but I understand that they they have been talking about doing overtime. Um, I'm not 100% clear on the Sundays themselves. The the NCTs are available, all right. On the Sunday, yeah, which is terrific. And that's what they did to clear the backlog uh, there. And and when you're looking at these, the difference, you know, um, particularly it's stark, the difference between uh, Waterford, as what did you say, Waterford was five weeks? Waterford at five five weeks. weeks And Skibbereen and Skibbereen at uh, 19 weeks. Do you, and this comes up every now and again, I mean, every couple of years we seem to have these excessive delays, always seems to be here in Cork. Do you ever get an explanation as to why? I mean, do they come out and say, oh, we, uh, you know, we're down a, a driver or a tester, they're out sick or we can't recruit? Do you ever get an explanation? 
Yeah, it seems to be very difficult always to get an answer from Minister Ross that he, he will be trying to pass it on to RSA and pass it on elsewhere and they're look, going to look at national averages and they'll, they'll tell you that they've reduced their national average. But we're still under that, uh, we're still that bit more behind in Cork. And really the, the action is fairly clear on what needs to be done, that there will be the additional testers made available. And the Minister has already approved 67 people, but bringing them in over a phased basis over the next 12 to 18 months, it just doesn't make sense when the when the need is there now. Why would you, if you've got approval, why would you hold off over the next 12 to 18 months? Why not bring them in now when the need is there? Uh, and especially when the approval has already been granted by the Minister for these extra testers. And in and light of the implementation of the Clancy uh, Amendment, these waiting times, uh, Andreas, they're simply unacceptable. They are, you're right. It, it's just not acceptable and it's putting people, you know, worried parents and worried drivers. Uh, now, it's important to know that the bad is not the Clancy Amendment. The bad is the delay and that people are stuck in the position where they're, they're being viewed the same as somebody who has just sat into the car for the first time and wouldn't be all that confident to drive her. Uh, and they're not. They're the... The people who are stuck are already after doing their 12 lessons. They've had quite a bit of experience and really they're being held back that they can't get a test to prove they're, they're qualified and that they're good and that they can get on with with uh, getting a licence and getting And, and get, getting on with, get on with their lives in some cases. I mean, this is holding people up, particularly when they don't have somebody who can sit in the car with them so that they're able to drive. This is stopping people going to work or, as you say, even uh, going to college. I know the North Cork Fine Gael Councillor, uh, John Paul O'Shea, is calling on uh, Shane Ross to implement a maximum wait time of eight weeks. I mean, eight, I think people would accept if you were guaranteed you were going to have your, your test in eight weeks. Yeah, I think realistically, if it's possible to do it in five weeks in Waterford and six weeks in Carrick and Shannon, why can't it be done as quickly everywhere else? Um, like the, the minister has approved these extra people. He should bring them on now quickly instead of bringing them in over the next 12 to 18 months, especially when the commitment is made to bring them on. Bring them on now. The need is here now. Uh, it has been for a while. And if you stop and look at it, like there's been a lot of talk on this legislation throughout last year. Uh, the minister knew that this was coming down the tracks and that it would be putting extra pressure and worry on families. And that's something that could have been moved ahead of and preempted um, to have these testers available uh, through the back of last year and have them coming available now instead of talking about it over the next 12 to 18 months. Actually, a, a, a couple of people yesterday mentioned and brought up the suggestion that why can't we have more test centres, especially in the county? The fact that we only have one test centre um, for West Cork and one for North Cork, Mallow and Skibbereen. Could we not have more test centres? Yeah, I, I think um, I think the more testers is the key thing because um, there's between Killarney, Mallow, Skibbereen and Cork that, you know, that there is a good cover of areas that if you have more centres, you're still going to need more testers for to man each of those. So if you can get more people, in, you know, testers in and get them to deal with the people who are waiting, uh, that I think it's it's the fastest way through it and you'll have more consistency then as well because you'll be testing people on the same same road mm, as okay. well. 
All right, okay, and uh, the the push goes on. And in the meantime, we have people, as you say, in West Cork waiting 19 uh, weeks, uh, 13 weeks in Mallow, 15 weeks in uh, Tralee. Uh, And and even in Cork City, the wait is is nearly uh, 18 weeks. It is crazy. Just finally, Andreas, because... This issue came up on the programme when we were discussing Noel Clancy's ad for the Road Safety Authority um, and we had a mixed reaction to it yesterday. How do you feel about that ad? It's, it's a very powerful, hard-hitting ad. You're right, it, it really is hard-hitting. It, um, and I know a great deal of people are, are very uncomfortable on it, all right, and clearly it is making the impression that I'm sure the, the, the RSA intend to on it. Um, I, I know that people have the opportunity to to complain to RSA and to to the broadcasting groups if they feel uncomfortable on it. But really, um, I think the, the the whole focus should be on trying to get people who are good drivers to get them the recognition uh, and get them their test uh, and let them get on with their lives, so that you know they don't have to get worried about being caught in that that zone where they're treated or viewed the same as somebody who has just sat into the car for the first time. Uh, and really, it's just about getting the getting the test done as quick as possible, okay. um, I feel. OK, and somebody's making a point that Skib- the Skibbereen Driving Test Centre has the highest pass rate. People from outside the Skibbereen area are applying to that centre. People, for example, from Cork City apply because they know it's easier to pass on Skibbereen than it is in Cork City. They should restrict to people living or working in the area. Can you apply wherever you want for your test? You can. You can, yes. And really um, what most people will be doing will be applying for the test uh, in a, an area that they're more familiar with. Uh, that's near and accessible to them. Um, and yes, if there is a place that's moving faster, you do get, tend to get people uh, going for that as well. Um, but uh, many people are telling me that they would apply for the road that they're familiar with because they, they, they would have the lessons done in that area, in the area that they would be driving most often. Um, but you can apply for anywhere Um but really, if there are enough testers available, it doesn't matter where people would apply. They would have the option and would be able to get through it as quick as possible. And, you know, um, you can do cancellations as well. And often you're better off trying to get your cancellation in a place that's easy access to you as well. You know, because yeah, if you get okay. a, couple of, a couple of hours notice or a, a couple of days notice that you can get away from college or get down to get down there from work okay. uh, that you're aiming for someplace near but you have the option OK Alright then um, we leave it there thank you for that um, Andreas and thank you for joining us uh, Good morning to you Sandy said test applica- applicant appointments should pay a 20 euro application fee refundable on getting their next licence or deducted from the licence fee this would prevent applying for a driving test as a means of just getting a new licence without actually doing their test as alleged by testers and uh, clogging up uh, the system yeah, that has been a problem in the past with people who are only applying for the test and then don't do it and they only do it so they can get a new licence. I don't know how how much of that is clogging up the system, but it's it's a good point, Sandy. It'd be worth looking for trying to get a breakdown of figures of people who applied for tests and then simply did not turn up 
to do uh, the test. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862103103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Okay, let me update you on roads. Paul on Twitter says it took me about two hours to travel from Passage West to the city centre. No bus service. The Passage Rochestown Road shows no sign of gritting by the bypass. The road from Douglas was uh, fine. And Linda on Twitter says it's starting to snow again in Laura Carew East just outside of Bandon. And Laura Primary School, they only, re- they only opened at 11. That was a sensible move allowing people a bit of a thaw before the children got into school. The back road from Manway to Bantry around Castle Donovan is really bad with uh, snow. The ice is compacted, said a listener. It's like a skating rink. It needs to be salted. Otherwise, it will remain like uh, this. And actually, somebody was on because there. We heard from the council this morning that they were out gritting. They had gritters out salting the roads four o'clock. In, they did it at eight o'clock last night when they realised they, that there was snow and they were back out again at 4am four, uh, 4 in the morning. So, you know, guys, I think it's, they're mainly, am I, am I right to say many guys, no gals, out gritting and salting the roads and, and working very hard and getting out at ungodly hours of the morning to make the roads safe when the rest of us then, when the rest of us are in our bed, when we get up, the roads uh, should be safe. But then people started complaining, saying all oh, the roads have not been uh, gritted and like with people on to us saying the Mallet of Formoy Road, which you would think is the main road. Why wasn't that salted, for example, and no evidence of assault? Uh, John, who worked in the council it's about 10 years ago, he, he reckons that they definitely salted more ro- roads when he worked with the council than they do today. He said the road from Mallow to Castletown Road, the road from, he obviously works in the North Cork area, the road from New Two Pothouse to Donnerail and Butterwind to Donnerail. He said these roads were always salted years ago, but he doesn't see workers out salting these roads nowadays. So he reckons there are less roads been salted and that might explain why we are getting complaints in from listeners today saying that they were on roads that they were expected would be gritted and they weren't. And just on some cancellations that are coming in. Hi, Patricia, says John. Bingo is cancelled tonight at the Adele Quinn Hall in Kenturk in the interest of safety to the patrons. That's from John Fuller. Thanks for that, John. So that's Bingo. Adele Quinn Hall in Kenturk is off tonight. And hi Patricia would you please announce that Castle Magner Searcha, the senior club, is cancelled tomorrow Thursday owing to the adverse adverse weather conditions. So Castle Magner Searcha Club for tomorrow Thursday is uh, off. Okay, let me go to some of your texts and calls that are coming into us on l- learner drivers 
and people applying for their test and the Clancy Amendment and the clamping down on unaccompanied learner drivers. Let me put them all in together and just take a look at some of the calls coming in. North Cork listener raises an interesting point. Patricia, the pubs in rural Ireland, local villages and towns are deserted and they're destroyed, never to come back. It's all as a result of all of the new driving laws. But no one has ever mentioned the musicians, the bands and the entertainers who had put, who have put their whole lives into this as a service has never, ever got a mention in all of this. I'm almost 50 years involved in in playing in pubs, hotels, dance halls and private functions, etc. And I now find myself almost out of business, only for the pension. I'd be nearly homeless. People should spare a thought for us who spent a lot of money on equipment, etc. And a lot of money, bringing a lot of joy to a lot of people. And because a lot of those small pubs have closed down where musicians and DJs uh, would have played and the dance halls, unfortunately, have closed down, that there are a group of people that you don't hear. You're right, you don't hear a lot spoken about. So let's spare a thought for the people who entertained us for many, many years. And many of them are being forced out, out of work because rural Ireland is slowly dying in front of uh, our eyes. Pauline says, Patricia, could you ask Deputy Moynihan, uh, when he's gone off the line, but could you to give a message, please, to Minister Shane Ross to know why, why does he expect people in rural areas to drive young drivers to work in the morning and then come back home and then return to collect them in the evening, doing double the journeys when they're introducing new carbon tax on us? It doesn't make sense. They're crucifying young people in this country. It is a disgrace. Thanks for highlighting this. Keep up the good work. That is from Pauline. Thank you for that, uh, Pauline. Hi, this is from Sandy. This is on applying for your test. I know of applicants who have applied for tests living in Cork City and they applied to do their tests in Skibbereen, which was mentioned in the last hour on your programme. But the reason that they applied to do their tests in Skibbereen is they're actually from Skibbereen, but they just happen to be working in Cork and renting accommodation in in the city. Uh, Also, so that's the reason that, yeah, uh, somebody was critical of the fact that so many people from the city come out to Skibbereen. Now, I'll have to do a check on how many people pass their tests. Somebody reckoned that Skibbereen was one of the easiest places to pass your test and one of the best places if you want to be guaranteed a passing your driving test then go to Skibbereen that it's they have a way higher pass rate than they do in the city I'll have to check because I know all that information is up online they show where the highest tests where the highest passes and the highest failure rates are so I will get back to you on that but people are saying that Skibbereen is one of the places where there's a good chance you'll pass your test and hence the reason anecdotally there's the belief that people from the city decide to apply for Skibbereen instead and that's why it takes so long to get a test in uh, Skibbereen but it doesn't it doesn't always have to be that it's somebody not from the uh, area and I don't know I mean I put that point to Andreas he said it wouldn't be possible to start limiting where somebody actually does uh, their test and Sandy also says just a PS to motorists with this current cold spell would no, no motorists please consider knocking the snow off their cars before they head away uh, because what's happening is when they stop at a shop or they stop at a school the parking area the snow falls off and then it gets packed by other cars and is causing a slipping risk. So people need to be a bit careful around the snow that can get compacted on the top of your uh, car. 
Okay, also it is no wonder that learner drivers are awaiting for a second and a third driving test. The stupid points which constitute failures are adding to the backlog, says a texter who no no doubt has failed a couple of times and is getting frustrated waiting to finally be able to pass their test. Some of your comments coming in about the nurses strike. Now we were hoping to speak with a nurse on the picket line. We did put a call through but the person we were hoping to speak with isn't answering the call. We might look to try and we won't get to it this hour. We might try and get to it again in the next hour. It's actually nurses are picketing outside the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. I know on our news bulletin we heard from nurses who are picketing outside CUH and obviously a lot of the focus and a lot of the media attention will go on the large hospitals where nurses are picketing uh, outside. But the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre in Mallow, they have a picket of nurses as well. I don't know where else in the county there's nurses out picketing. If people want to let us know where the nurses are out picketing, please uh, um, please tell us uh, where they are so that we can give them a mention as well because a lot, a lot of the media attention appears to be going on the nurses in the city and outside of the large hospitals. There's so many calls coming in to John Paul. I'm going to have to take a look at all of those uh, again. I just get through them all. There's just so many. But some texts that have come in about the nurses. Read the nurses strike. This is from a nurse in Donneral. The figure for a nurse's wages that you mentioned earlier is taken from a gross salary. The deductions out of our wages are absolutely shocking. I earned €50,000 last year, but I got 20000 taken from me in deductions, says this nurse. We work 13 or more hours a day. We do nights, we do weekends and we work holidays, antisocial hours and they work days when everybody else is at home, like Christmas Day, Easter Sunday, all of those days when people are home with their families, nurses are at work. We get nothing to show for it. We've got the pension, the pension levy, the USC charge, tax, a massive amount is taken out of our wages and that is from a nurse in uh, and somebody else is kind of agreeing with that. Donald says, Hi Trish, my wife is a nurse and I feel their pay is good. But the problem is half of it goes in tax. Half of it goes back to the government between all the taxes and the levies. So it is what comes out of nurses' wages. So there's couple of people not disputing that they're not well paid but it's how much is taken away from them. Um, Chris says regarding nurses pay claim it's amazing how the government will be able to find 1.5 billion extra for the overrun in the estimated cost of the National Children's Hospital due to their own mismanagement and unaccountability and they have no problem with finding that money but nothing for the nurses who do Trojan work giving care under difficult conditions. These are the frontline staff who we depend on so much. They can't find money for nurses, nurses who save lives, yet they're prepared to pump at least 50 million into annual abortion services, which, according to Chris, is the taking of lives. Isn't it strange priorities, he uh, says. Margaret says the nurses deserve a pay rise. Our health service would fall apart and it's bad enough as it is as it is. Did all of the politicians get a rise last year? They did and they deserved it. 
ha 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 says uh, Margaret John says Patricia do you know how much per hour nurses are, are getting I, I don't the figure I was giving the figure I was giving out was the overall figure the basic of about 40,000 that's about 82% of nurses and then they can get about an extra 11,000 on top of that between uh, premiums uh, etc bringing it up to about the 50,000 mark which some of the nurses are accepting yes they did get they, they do get but then it's what is taken out of them by way of taxes and USC uh, charges there are pickets outside Clonakilty Community Hospital Patricia this morning okay glad to give that a mention someone else says I fully support the nurses I am a teacher who is on the post 2012 pay scale that's the one the younger teachers this is where the younger teachers the new teachers that came in after 2012 are on a different uh, pay to those that became teachers before uh, 2012. My union, the INTO, have rejected the minimum restoration to new entrant staff. We are to also be ballot for strike action very soon. Also, can you ensure to say it's pay restoration, not a pay increase? It's pay parity with the pre-2012 pay scale. Is it any wonder so many nurses and teachers have left to go abroad for better paying conditions? The TDs recently gave themselves a pay increase. That's a disgrace. It has taken the nurses to lead this unacceptable treatment of essential services of nurses and teachers. It's time for the government to set up. Thanking you, um, Trish. So there's, yeah, I, I have, I have to say for the young teachers, I have huge sympathies. I really do have huge sympathies. And I think it must be so difficult to be inside in a staff the canteen, the staff room and you're sitting next to somebody who is doing the exact identical work to you, putting in the very same hours and yet that person is walking away with more money all because you qualified after 2012. I think that was one of the unfairest things that was ever introduced into the public sector and at the time I thought the teachers at the time who agreed to it and the teachers unions that agreed to it, it was almost like they pulled up the drawbridge on the younger teachers coming up and said actually we'll sort that out later on. Now I know as of now all of the unions are fighting for the younger teachers but I felt at the time they were wrong they were absolutely wrong uh, to agree to that. It's just it is never right when you have two people people, uh, particularly in the public service, when you've got everybody doing the exact same jobs and you can have one group getting paid less just because they signed a contract on a different date. It is so, so unfair. Uh, So thank you for that. 1850 333 Patricia, nurses are also picketing outside Bantry Hospital. Thank you. So yeah, it's just a lot of the media attention as I say goes uh, to on the the, the bigger hospitals in the city, understandably, and all of that. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. Lines have been very busy today, so please do uh, bear with us. You can text your WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And you can always email the programme, Patricia, at c103.ie. C103 Jobs. FRS Network in Kenturk. They have full and part-time 
farm positions that's available in the North Cork area. Community employment positions, they're available in Ballinascarthy, in Chidani, Clonakilty and Kilbritton areas. While food prep operative is wanted for waterfall farms, you need to have knife skills and previous experience would be an advantage. And Noel Howard Transport, they've got vacancies for Arctic drivers to work in the North Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Keep any of your cancellations coming in. If you can text or WhatsApp the cancellations, it makes it easier because I can leave them behind then for the other uh, presenters that are following on. The dance in the Vienna Woods uh, tonight with uh, Declan Nerney has been cancelled and that's due to the weather. Thank you to Eamon Moffat uh, for that information. That's the Declan Nerney dance Vienna Woods is off. Now last, no that's not it. We're going here. Uh, figures published by the EU show Ireland has one of the lowest rates of any European country for carrying out operations on a condition that is one of the main causes of impaired vision. I speak of course of operations to remove cataracts. So to update us on how the cataract bus from West Cork is doing and the implications of this service post-Brexit I'm joined by Deputy Michael Collins. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning. Just as the bells of the doll are are ringing. Okay, uh, firstly these EU figures showing us we are joint lowest with Slovakia for cataract operations. That is truly shocking, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's not surprising, to, to be quite honest with you. It's what we've been um, uh, continuously raising here in the Dáil, and we've been uh, told time after time that uh, it's not an issue, that they're tackling it, uh, they're on top of the issue, and that there's uh, more and more cataract operations taking place in Ireland this year than before, when we know the exact answers. And the exact answer is, yes, there is a situation where the figures are lowering because they're going to the north of Ireland, uh, to Belfast, uh, to have operations. Cork is, is, is the worst county in Ireland, uh, figure-wise, in relation to cataract operations being carried out. In in, in European countries, uh, the average is between uh, 4 to 12 operations per 1,000. Uh, Ireland is at rock bottom with Slovakia. Uh, we're 2 per 1,000 uh, uh, people uh, getting cataract operations. It's absolutely outrageous. And to be quite honest with you, it's long past discussion, uh, Patricia, because this government has failed the people um, um, uh, of, of Ireland, failed the people that worked very hard, got up in the morning, did their work, paid their taxes, and they want fifteen to t- they want one fifteen twenty minute procedure carried out, and this can be carried out in Bantry General Hospital, in Mallow General Hospital, and in Cork, and they've failed them miserably. Uh, in, in this issue and it's 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 left uh, people outside the medical uh, profession like myself and, and others to try and see can we resolve this and we're lucky we've come up with some kind of a solution and in the past I suppose number of weeks this has absolutely exploded because people's worries are Brexit is coming if it's a hard Brexit it is going to end the EU cross-border uh, legislation um, and, and, and on that basis people are frantically ringing me from all over Cork County, all over the country. To be have, you, have you kept a head count on how many people have travelled to date on the West Cork buses? Well, I, definitely we can keep a head 
count on, on buses, but we've sent up people privately too that okay. we have family up the country and say, have numerous people around us and say, okay, can you just arrange it? And we arranged all the, uh, the, the dates and the, the times for them and get the kings which contact them and they've gone direct up themselves okay. to deal with family in Dublin and want to come back down to West Cork again after. But it is definitely, we've dealt with the over 800 people uh, on the buses uh, wow. continuously going up. And do, and you, do you know, are there other buses from other parts of the country heading to Belfast? Um, I, I, they were telling me uh, patients that came back uh, about two weeks ago that there was a bus for the first time uh, headed up from Westmead. Um, uh, now, who spearheaded that, I, I'm not aware of. Um, but but uh, the, the, the patients were talking because another bus came in while they were inside. Um, and, and look, people are you know, as I said, they're, they're really worried at this stage that they're going to go blind. Um, maybe some of them left it to the point hoping that there'd be a resolution to the Brexit situation and it, it hasn't happened. And on that basis that they're just not willing to take any more chances. Uh, my line is, uh, my phone line is absolutely inundated with people from all over Cork uh, County uh, trying to get a cataract operation. And in fairness, the Kingsbridge Private Hospital, they've come up uh, with the goods because they continuously give me clinic space. We've had four in January when we're, we we had intentions to have between one or maybe two max. We've had four clinic um, spaces, so four buses have gone up. We have three so far for February. I have three so far for March, but I'm trying to get more uh, because that's not uh, keeping up with demand that's out there. Um, unreal. It is unreal. And we have the strike by nurses. I was talking earlier about the number of outpatients appointments that were cancelled, the number of procedures and surgeries that were cancelled and you can be guaranteed in the middle of those figures that I mentioned earlier will be people who are trying to access cataract operations so it'll just add to the waiting list. They're desperate at this stage and I mean look I mean we're talking about the nurses there you know difficult day to day of all these to be out there in the cold striking for their for their pay rights and deservedly striking for their pay rights and people say oh yeah it's very easy for me as an opposition to be shouting that they should get their pay the TDs in here and the politicians in here Patricia have had no problems in dipping their hands in to get extra pay um, uh, when they need it I didn't take it but others have taken it and they have no problem but they leave the nurses out in the cold today the people that have saved our lives and have worked very hard through the years but in, 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 in getting back to the issue that we're, t- we're talking about in the Catholic I am absolutely had it up to my I did read the question with the teacher yesterday in relation to the figures you know with Ireland being at the bottom in Europe with Slovakia now he didn't get an opportunity to reply to me unfortunately um, because of others unfortunately trying to interfere into the discussion um, but but I'm going to keep raising this issue as I said it's long past discussion here the Bantry General Hospital is there it can deal with this I don't want to hear any more saying that we don't have a specialised unit they're doing it out in African tents and they're doing it successfully in tins. And if they can do it in tins in Africa, we can surely do it in the, uh, these procedures in our hospital. Because, because Nina Hospital, they've been doing one day a week and they're moving to five days a week for cataract uh, operations. So there's a small hospital similar to Bantry, similar to Mallow. Uh, they're doing it. Why can we not have it in one of our, uh, our Cork County hospitals? I just, I, I think the political will to resolve this problem isn't there. Um, and, and, I'm strongly convinced and surely I'd be some sort of an expert to discuss it, to talk on this issue at the moment. I just feel that the fact 
they're elderly people. There's no one to fight for them and no one to stand up for them. And they're literally left go blind. And I've had people going to, to Belfast that were blind and have got their sight back, which is a far more difficult procedure than the, the normal cataract. But I've had loads and most of the people are almost blind. They've told me they've been falling, missing steps, you know, misjudging steps and misjudging their, their, their foot. And people do think at home is the age. It's not the age, it's the person who's partially blind. And the difference it is in when they come home, they see the brightness surrounding, they can't have seen things that they haven't seen for years. Uh, and, and, and it makes such a difference in their life. It's something that they'll never forget. And, and in fairness, there's a whole, there's a great atmosphere too, I will accept in the bus. You know, with others, like they tell me, and I've been there myself when people come down after the procedure, people clapping the rest of them, you know, giving them a bit of a cheer. Because some people get very worried, even though it's a 50, 20 minutes, they're just worried about their eyesight and what is going to happen, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the fear, are they going to lose their eyesight with this operation or whatever. And, and coupled on top of that then they have a 30 33 to 36 hour journey uh, between going up staying above coming back down even as comfortable and all that's been made for them it's not fair when you're 70 80 and I've had people up to 93 years of age going from that bus and they're mainly in the 80 93 the state has miserably failed these people yeah, it's just it's, it's it's so unfair on the on the elderly people. It, it really is, and of course, and what we invited you on the program about, and what we're constantly getting calls about, uh, Michael. What will happen after Brexit? Will the cataract bus be? Will it will it will it cease going to um, Belfast anyway? Well, I, I raised this question in the dawn. I haven't got a clear answer because I suppose there's a lot of confusion in relation to Brexit. Being honest, but I have spoken to management at Kingsbridge Private Hospital. Their understanding is that they. Uh, the worst case scenario is that there will be a cooling off period if there's a hard Brexit and if we, we crash out of, uh, if, if, if the UK crash out of uh, Europe basically, that there will be um, a cooling off period of between a year and two years. Now, if that's the case, everything continues as is. Um, but that's, I can't, if people, and people have asked me, uh, when they ring me, what do you think? And I can't give them a judgment because if I say it's okay, and if it turns out not to be okay, I've, I've let somebody basically maybe go blind. And I can't take that up chance. And I'm telling them, um, uh, we'll do everything we can to make sure that we get a clinic uh, space for them in Belfast and, and, and look after the 31st of March. If if it ends, that's the end. So I'll even look at uh, towards taking them um, to, to to Germany, uh, to France, because I've had contact from clinics there. Um, but that's a, that's a different situation. It's a longer that's journey. Very, very, it's, very and it's it's a people. it's a longer journey as well. Yeah. And but the one thing, people will make that ah. superhuman effort because they want to save their eyes. Michael, you, you'd to go to the moon and back if you if would, you yeah, if you thought you were going to hang on to your eyesight. Okay, and just briefly before we let you go, just on a, di- a different topic, I saw a press release from you. You're calling for a dedicated minister for fisheries and the marine. Yes, Patricia. Um, I think this is long over. Uh, we've waited far too long to have a dedicated minister uh, for the fisheries. This fisherman, uh, to be quite honest with you, if you speak to any fisherman, they'll tell you they have little or no faith in the Irish political system. They've had battles with Europe, lost battles with Europe. We have Spanish trawlers, I was up on recently online, been chasing Irish trawlers out of Irish seas. We have 
pleading for bluefin tuna, uh, where Cyprus, the quotas for bluefin tuna, where Cyprus, Greece, Malta, Italy, Portugal, France, Spain have got it. What, what I'm trying to say is the inshore fishermen lost equipment last year. We couldn't get a compensation package. They're, they're fishing for scallop now. It's a winter fish for inshore fishermen. They have to post them to Galway, cost the unfortunate, held up a whole maybe week or two before they can get back out fishing. There's a platter of issues that are not being addressed by the, by not this government alone, but by farmer governments. We, the simple reason is that we don't have a standalone minister um, in, in this government fighting simply for the fishermen. He has to maybe become from a, a, a coastal community. The issues are, are in, I'm inundated with problems in relation to fishing and no matter what we're talking about them up here it's not happening on the ground and fishermen are extremely frustrated and angered and now Brexit and Brexit they've made it very clear in the UK they've been sitting around the table the MPs are. Their ministers have been sitting around talking about fishing and their attitude is once um, Brexit strikes um, you, you, they're kicking Irish trawlers out of UK waters. My worry here, Patricia, is not alone will the Irish trawlers obviously be kicked out, but all of the foreign vessels will be kicked out. And when the foreign vessels will be kicked out, they're going to face one place, and one place only is where they've been welcome for the past 20, 30 years, and that's into Irish seas. We have no laws and no controls to save the Irish fishermen. And, and Irish Southwest Fishermen Producers Organisation are fighting, fighting strong, but we have no standalone minister that needs to stand up for these issues. And if we don't win this battle, and I've started a battle as with others in relation to get a minister, a standalone minister for rural affairs, and we did get it. And we do need a standalone uh, minister for fishing and the marine going forward, Patricia. And it's I hope that this battle is at its beginning, but I hope okay, it will come because to Because uh, certainly, uh, having mentioned Brexit earlier, worrying times for the fishing community, that's for sure. Okay, we'll leave it there, Michael. Thank you for that. Thanks, and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Uh, Trish, by text, would you tell your listeners be careful on Deer Park Hill in Bandon? Children are using the area as an ice skating rink. Cars can't get up or down. It is extremely slippy. It is actually causing accidents. So please be careful. That's the Deer Park Hill in Abandon. And also here's good advice. Be careful when you're parking near buildings after heavy snowfall. When cars, people park their cars they should consider looking up at the building in front or behind where their car is parked. I saw a car windscreen blown in by the compacted snow that fell off the roof of a church last year. So when you're parking your car today, look up because there is a thaw on at the moment and that snow, that there's a lot of compacted snow on the roof of a tall building. If that comes crashing down, it certainly can do damage to a car. So be careful. We were talking about the cataract bus there with... Deputy Michael Collins and unfortunately this text came in too late for me to put it to Michael but I will get John Paul to get back on to Michael Collins. The listener says, Trish, could you ask Michael about the delay in reimbursement for the cataract operation in Belfast? You have to pay out €1,290 and you pay that to the clinic in Belfast and then when you come back after having your procedure you claim it back from the HSE. However, due to staffing resources this is the excuse from the HSE there's a massive backlog in processing the claims now I was unaware of that I thought that it was a simple thing you came back you submitted your claim and I thought within a week or two that you would have your money back I was unaware of that we, I'll get John Paul to get back on to uh, Michael Collins just to see how long more they expect this backlog with the processing of claims because I know for a number of people certainly who've contacted us who went on the cataract bus they took a 
loan out from the credit union. Local credit unions were terrific to get involved in helping people who didn't have the money in order to go get the cataract uh, operations. So um, we will, oh that's pound sterling uh, I didn't, re- oh sorry, my, my correction, £1,290 sterling. So what is it, about €1,500 Euro or thereabouts is what it works, it works out as. Anyway we'll get back on to, I'll get John Paul to get back on to Michael Collins just to see what's going on there. But according to this listener the HSE are saying staffing resources is the reason for the backlog. Now last September I spoke with Dunmanway wheelchair user Sarah DeLay who joined us to highlight the lack of wheelchair accessible buses on routes outside of Cork City. Uh, Sarah is a qualified beauty therapist and she rejoins me to see what progress has been made since we last spoke. Good morning to you Sarah. Hi Patricia, uh, you? you're, you're welcome. Now you do drive, but just to explain to listeners why travelling on the bus would make life easier for you. Life, for me personally, would make life easier because I have a spinal rod in my back. So getting in and out of the wheelchair would be a lot of pulling and stretching. And I'm sure for a lot of other wheelchair users, they feel the same getting in and out. So for me, getting on the bus, there'll be lots of less movement. It would be just go on the bus on my wheelchair as normal and I don't have to move at all and there'll be absolutely no pain. So for me, that would be just a complete load off my mind that okay. when I come home in the evening, I won't be in pain. Uh, and you would want, you would want to get on the bus in Dunmanway and travel into the city? I would, of course. Yes. And then and then back home again. Yeah. And no problem once you are in the city because there's wheelchair accessible yeah. buses and you're able to get on and off the bus, no problem. Yeah. yeah, no problem. So remind us the reason why Bus Aaron does not operate a wheelchair accessible route in West Cork. They don't because their drivers aren't fully qualified to operate the lift in the buses themselves and they have to remove a couple of seats in the back of the bus for a wheelchair to slot in there and clamp into the into the seat. And that's the reason the bus Aaron says. And there, and there was also an issue, wasn't there, with the the dip in the road and the dip in the footpath in yeah. parts of West Cork. Yeah. So they would they would have to do a job on the. The footpath. Yeah, yeah. So you raised the issue with us. We spoke with you and you got, there was other media coverage of it uh, last November. And following our chat, I'm told you were invited to Leinster House. I was, yeah. Tell me how that came about and who did you meet? That was brilliant. I went up and I met with uh, Senator John Dolan, Tim Lambert, TD Jim Daly and Mike Collins. And we sat down. I went up with my boyfriend and we sat down. We had discussed what was going on because they weren't aware of it themselves. Okay. And they said we both agree, we all agreed to be put a motion together that they'll have a conversation with us there and that they'll get their drivers fully qualified and that I would have to ring ahead and that they'll take out the seat for me to get into it. So that's grand and the NBRU, the National Bus and Rail Union, and the, a man, Dermot O'Leary, with them has requested now that all seats in the back of the bus would be taken out so I wouldn't have to ring ahead. I can just come and go on the bus 
as I want. So every bus will be wheelchair accessible yeah. That, yeah. That, that heads to West Cork. That's what we're hoping. Is there, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm part of my ignorance on this. Is there a lot of training involved in teaching somebody how to operate a wheelchair lift on a bus? Nothing, not from what I can see of it, there isn't. Like, when you look at the bus, you can see the the door there and on the bus themselves, they have the button just to press it, to lower it, and then you just take out the seat. It's like a normal wheelchair bus, if anyone has ever been on a small wheelchair bus, they just have the space is free at the back and then you put roll the wheelchair on the lift and you just clamp in the wheels completely simple all together and you just clamp them off and then back on the ramp and down and that's it. And then you press the button and the lift goes back up yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, I just, maybe I'm missing something here but to me, uh, to operate a wheelchair lift it's, it's a matter of pressing a button. I'm told Senator, yeah. John, I'm told Senator John Dolan um, is on the other line and John Dolan uh, was, one of, was one of the politicians who you mentioned that you yeah. met uh, on your visit to uh, Leinster House. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. John, were you, Good were, morning to Sarah as well. Were, yeah. were, were you taken aback to think that a beautiful area like West Cork, no wheelchair accessible bus? Well, whether it is, a, it is a beautiful area, beautiful area or not, it's where people live and it's where people who need accessible public transport are uh, absolutely taken aback by it. The, the buses are accessible. Uh, in a, it, it, it's a matter then of, of making sure that the, 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 uh, the bus stops are equally accessible. Um, and it's not, to use that awful cliche, it's not rocket science. And um, the, 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 um, there just seems to be a lethargy in terms of or put certain things are so far down the priority list that they're not priorities. Mm. And this is not, uh, the, the, the Sarah situation is not an isolated situation in terms of maybe the particular issue here is the accessible bus stops. Now, the, the, if, I, if I picked up on what you were saying there towards the end of that, that discussion, the National Bus and Rail Union, the, mm-hmm. that trade union, have said they're very happy for their members yeah. to actually do this. Uh, work and, and that, all, and all that they want was is that of, was one of the reasons so that was put forward by Bus Aaron. They were saying that the drivers are not trained. Well, if the drivers are not trained, it's Train not them. because the, it's not because the drivers don't want to be trained or are kind of holding people to ransom, saying we uh, they don't they haven't their hand out for more money for this. Mm-hmm. They want, and my experience of drivers around. The, remember the driver. Okay, wants decent paying conditions like anybody else. But the driver is the face of the personality of that company and has to uh, look someone in the eye and say, sorry. Uh, it's not the company director or That's the a good administration. Point. That's a good and point. They're ordinary people themselves. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, you know, when, when you travel around the city on the buses, the bus yeah. drivers are more than willing and friendly and helpful to help you. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. it isn't it isn't an issue with the drivers. No, no, no and it's an embarrass so. sorry, it's an embarrassment for them. Yeah. That they're there providing a public service and uh, they can't do something that's that's so easy, you know what I mean, that should be so easy to provide. Um so we can knock uh, that one on the head. 
Um, yeah. The, 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 um, and I know that I think there was a motion with Cork County Council on Monday night. Yeah. I don't know if Danny you discussed Collins, it. But that's true. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. I, I, actually, I don't know. I know John Paul was going to get on to Danny Collins. Do you know what happened, Sarah, with with the motion at Cork County Council? Do you know how that went? Um, he had a talk with, uh, with the County Council and they approved that every bus stop in Cork, all Cork, County Cork, would be accessible but now they need to wait for funding off the um, National Transport Authority. Because they so need to do work at the footpath, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. The making the bus stop accessible yeah. is, 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 yes. is, 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 is the, the issue. issue. And there's another uh, issue, it's not an issue in this case, but where they have services, uh, licensed services given out to private operators... They have no stipulation that the private operator has to have an accessible vehicle, which seems absolutely that crazy. That seems bizarre. Yeah, that's going on for quite some time, and it actually is unfair to the public service provider that they're and they're you know I mean it's the same fare on each bus. And what, uh, what I find most frustrating about this here is young Sarah. She's qualified as a beauty therapist. Yeah. She set up her own little business. She wants to lead an independent uh, life. And it's almost she, like we're stopping her. Yeah. For the want like, of getting on a bloody bus. To use the pun, she's mad for road. Yeah. She wants to be out there doing things. And I see this with other youngsters have the same kind of issue around the country. Dealing with a young woman from Cavan last year, college graduate, needs to get up to Dublin to show her portfolios and this, that and the other. And she cannot put her hand on her heart when when she rings up your company or something like that and say, look, will you come in? At, can you come in three o'clock on Thursday afternoon? she's crossing her fingers when she's saying, yes, I can, because she can't be sure that they, they when she gives the notes and all the rest of it, that it'll still work out. It, and we have rightly, it, there's been a huge revolution, if you like, in terms of uh, education provision in the last 15 to 20 years, and people being in the same schools and having the opportunity, the same as their brothers and sisters. And then they get to this point, and it's kind of like, get back in there now. And Sarah, and, and how, this is, is, how a, is this is a this is an issue about? Go on, yeah. This is an issue uh, that has to do with the crossover between the public transport bit, which already has the bus company and the local authority entangled here, and also what's happening in the education and training and employment sphere. These folk, Sarah and others, are are being pushed back from the employment space rather than having the doors open. Which is so wrong. Sarah, how is your business going? Sarah's Art of Beauty. How is it going for you? Actually good, yeah. Is it? I have a few clients coming in to me and I still travel up to people if I have to above in Cork. Now it isn't easy, but I'll do it. Yeah, yeah but it would be so much easier if it was a bus. Good, John, yeah? Say, yeah. They, you started off by talking to the promo for the beautiful part of Cork. Yeah. yeah. Tourism. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tourism. Well, I spoke with Sarah back in November was one of the points that um, she made and we spoke about and a lot of listeners picked up on we're losing out on tourists yeah. coming to West Cork yeah. because yeah. they arrive we bring, we bring them in on, on, on planes and boats mm. uh, and we get them here and suddenly they discover that they can't go on the bus it's madness yeah. OK, I've got yeah. to leave it there Sarah, keep us updated and John, th- thank you for joining us Listen, thanks to you both um, thanks Good morning to you Bye bye uh, The lovely Sarah DeLay uh, joining us from Dunmanway and Senator John uh, 
Dolan and we will update you uh, when we have more on that and hopefully we'll update you with the good news that Sarah is finally on the bus and is able to travel along with other wheelchair users. They're able to travel between Cork City and West Cork. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text our WhatsApp as you can to 0862103103. With a reminder that Peter Dowdle is back with us. We've got our first gardening slot of the new year. So if you've got a question for Peter, you can get it in uh, to us. Uh, we'll also chat with one of the nurses who is on the picket line. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The cancellation in. Can you please mention that poker tonight in Charlie Madness Bar in Timberleek is going ahead. Sorry, it's not it's not a cancellation. So poker tonight on a game of poker, Charlie Madness Bar in Timberleek, half past nine. Thanks to uh, Simon for that. If you want to go along uh, there, that's on tonight. Roads update Meads Hill in Ballygarvan. Don't try and go up it due to ice says listeners to avoid Meads Hill in Ballygarvan. Also on roads, the North Ring is really icy still. Trucks are parked up on the hill and a car has just simply been abandoned near the Apple Green at Ballyvalam. And the back road from Dunmanway to Bantry around Castle Kevin is really bad with snow. Ice is compacted. It's like a skating rink. It needs to be salted. Otherwise, it will remain like that. And I did hear on the news there um, with Barry, there is a thaw underway at the moment so to try your best to hold off but there, there certainly is a good thaw at the moment. Now there was some criticism of the icing and the gritting that with the de-icing and the gritting that went on uh, this morning some, some of your thoughts in on that. Dan says Patricia on the salting of roads is that not controlled by the TII Transport Infrastructure Ireland? If so, salting is only determined by Met Aaron forecasts and a map. So we'll probably never see any roads except motorways and the main N roads treated. They would have no sense in Dublin of the real impact of snow on our communities. Unless, of course, it's snowing in Dublin, says uh, Dan. Well, I don't think it's controlled by the TII. As far as I know, it's controlled locally uh, by the council. We did have a council worker on to us, one of the council workers rang to reassure listeners, particularly listeners who thought the Mallard to Formoy Road hadn't been gritted this morning. He was in the council lorry that gritted that road at 9.30pm last night. They were back out again at 4am this morning. He says the council always take flack on days like this and it's not fair because he said they were out and they were gritting and you know it, it, is, un, it is unfair and uh, I hope you're not tiring me with that brush because it was one of the first things I said this morning I acknowledged the fact that the council workers were out gritting the road and I also heard a piece if you're listening to our news at 12 o'clock Aidan Weir from the, the senior council, the senior engineer of Cork County Council was on and he was explaining about the grit and in, and in particular reacting to criticism from some people that roads weren't gritted and this is what Aidan Weir had to say. Cork County Council uh, in accordance with its winter service plan which is uh, available on the council's website uh, treated all the main routes across the county last night at around 8pm and again this morning at 4am. Despite this double treatment um, salt cannot easily fully penetrate packed snow 
which was the case on many of the hilly routes this morning, which uh, led to the congestion experienced by, by many commuters. The County Council will be monitoring the situation and will likely be treating the routes again this evening and tonight. Okay, thanks. That's just for the clarification to the Rose War uh, this morning by council workers and they will be back out gritting again this evening and I imagine again, again very early uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, so thank you to Aidan Weir for that. I can see gardening questions coming in. Keep them coming because Peter Dowdell on what is the chilliest day of the year will join us for our first gardening slot of uh, 2019. Let me stay on roads. Una said, Listening to everybody giving out about the roads not being gritted earlier on, where were all these people off to? Many schools delayed opening until 11am. So people, not, well, not every school did, only some of them did. So people didn't need to be out on the roads early. Is it employers who are putting pressure on people? Surely employers should not expect everyone to be in on time if the weather is bad. I saw people this morning, for example, in my own housing estate in Mallow, doing their very best to defrost their cars, trying to get out of the estates and they were simply freaking out. So why are the employers putting pressure on employees to get into the work on time? Surely they need to understand we can't control the weather and no matter how much grit and salt the council throw on the roads with snow and ice you can forget it. Unless you have good grip tyres or a four wheel drive it can be impossible to move in some areas no matter how much gritting is going on. Yeah and some employees employers unfortunately do put a lot of pressure onto their employees. I saw somebody earlier text in I'm sure it was text in this morning into Simon on the breakfast show an an employee said if I'm late for work by one minute I'm docked 15 minutes pay regardless of the weather God isn't that a great employer looking after now they don't say where where they work I don't know if it's a, a large company or a small company imagine that one minute late and you get docked 15 minutes. Then obviously if you're 16 minutes late, you'll be docked a half an hour. And every minute that you go into another 15 minutes late, regardless of what the conditions are like, you know, the beast from the east, Storm Emma, it doesn't make a difference. Where this person works, that's how it works. If you're not there, you simply don't get paid. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. On roads, John and Cove says there were queues of cars leaving Cove. Cove seemed to be particularly bad uh, this morning. And queues of cars, many with children in the car taking their children to school. Really icy roads, dangerous condition. And there was a lady applying foundation and lipstick while she was driving along. Uh, irresponsible, particularly with the conditions the way they were. And that's having a pop at ladies because I don't think there was any, there would be any gentleman putting, maybe there would be, putting foundation and lipstick on. We talk, spoke about the driving test on the programme. The bigger the driving testing backlog, the better, says Morris by email, because less vehicles will have on our road. The less vehicles will have on our roads, the better. No one should be in any hurry to get onto our dangerous roads, says Morris. But if you want to get um, to and from work, uh, Morris, people need, unfortunately, to be on our roads unless you're living in a city where you have access to public transport outside of your door. John and Donna Rail says, why can't they have the driving tests a little bit like the NCT? I was offered an NCT at 3am in the morning. Why not have driving tests outside of the 9 to 5 schedule that operates at the morning, at the moment? Why not do driving tests at night 
You you can tell a lot by somebody's driving during nighttime uh, hours. Well, I don't think you'd want anybody doing a driving test at 3am in the morning. But I do know the point you're making. The brighter evenings you would think that they could do. I don't know how fair it would be to ask somebody to do a driving test in the dark, but you could in the brighter evenings. And I mentioned Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, with the NCT, because there was such a backlog with the NCT, some of the NCT centres, um, John and Donnell is right, open 24 hours a day. I don't think all of them do. But um, I know I had a family member who had a, actually travelled from Clonmel to Charleville to get an NCT done a few weeks ago. And it was on a lunchtime on a Sunday, so about one o'clock on a, on a Sunday. So they are working Saturdays and Sundays as well. Maybe we need to start looking at that when it comes to the driving test. And poor old Helen in Kilmallock was on to us. She's a learner driver and she's a learner driver in her 60s. She's 66 to be precise. She said, I've gone for my driving test several times. She doesn't say how many times. Several times. I get lessons every time I apply for my driving test but I still manage to fail every time. I'm still on a learner permit with my L plate up on my car. Is is there is this something against old is there something against older drivers going for the driving test ponders Helen in Kilmallock never by the way had an accident I'm driving over 20 years I just can't pass my test are there more like me you couldn't help but have sympathy for Helen in Kilmallock which is proving the point when we're talking about learner drivers it isn't just all younger drivers we have older drivers who like Helen have applied for their tests on many many occasions but have failed and when someone mentioned earlier that the best place to go to get your driving test and to pass your driving test uh, somebody said Skibbereen was the best place to go so I've taken a look at the RSA website and they give the pass rate for the last available year available is 2017 and I'm looking down through it and I'm getting down to let me find Skibbereen Skibbereen does have a very high pass uh, rate Skibbereen has a 62.3% pass rate bearing in mind that the national average for the overall national average is 52.9% Skibbereen comes in at 63% but it isn't the highest in the country there's others who are above Skibbereen Tralee is at 63% Tume is at 63% uh, percent Sligo, if you want to go there for your test, 65%. Roscommon, 64%. Lot then in the 50s. Mallow, 61% pass rate in Mallow. Kilrush, 67%. Seem to have excellent drivers uh, there. Ennis is at 64 And then Cork City, one of the lowest, they're at 48% pass rate. So you can understand why people in Cork City are opting not to apply for their test in Cork City. If it's at 48% pass rate, they'll go to Skibbereen where it is at 63. Clifton is at 64. Uh, Churchtown in Dublin, 44. Very low indeed. Carrick and Shannon is at uh, 62. Where's Waterford? What's Waterford on that, by the way? 57% pass rate in Waterford because Waterford has the slow, has the lowest. It's only five weeks if you want to apply for your test there. So anyway, any advice to Helen in Kilmallock? Where are you doing your test? Because there isn't a test centre in Kilmallock. I wonder where you're doing your test. Are you coming to Mallow to do your test? Uh, I wonder. I don't know where Helen is doing her test. But any advice to Helen? 20 years drive. She's 66 and she can't pass 
the driving test and she's still on her learner permit. 1850-333-103. And Johnny was on by text to say, fair play to Deputy Michael Collins with what he said in regard to fishing. It's about some time someone is showing an interest in the fishing industry with so many difficulties facing the fishermen. The biggest one being we have a farmer as a minister responsible for fishing who has shown that he has little or no interest in the fishing industry. C103, for example, has a programme on farming every week, yet Michael Collins had to speed through his interview when he started talking about fishing. So maybe C103 might look at the way they highlight the problems in the fishing industry and maybe make a little more airtime for their issues to get heard. Thanking you, says uh, Johnny. That's put me back in my box. Thank you for that, uh, Johnny. And you're on about nurses' wages, says a texter. And you're also on about teachers' wages. Well, teachers and nurses pay. What about those of us on CE and TUS schemes? Uh, working. We're, we're often working next to a full-time worker and all we get is €20 Euro extra on top of our social welfare payment. It's an abuse of the unemployed. Have unions done anything about it? Also the self-employed. I'd be delighted, by the way, if I made €600 Euro clear every week, which is what the nurse was giving out about getting and the paltry sum this uh, unemployed worker who's doing a community employment scheme and a TUS scheme would be lighted with €600 a week. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. A presentation on speech disorders and communication and language difficulties will be delivered by Elaine Baldwin, who is the... Senior Speech and Language Therapist at Sensational Kids in Clonakilty. That's on tonight at half past uh, six. The Marion Players in Rathmore are presenting their 2019 Panto Rapunzel. It's on in the Community Centre in Rathmore and it is on tonight. Jermaine National School are taking part in the Aldi Play Rugby campaign and they're collecting the stickers which Aldi stores are giving to customers who spend €30 Euro in their store. If you're not using the stickers... Could you please forward them to Dramina National School as they need to collect 300 stickers and they're a small enough school. So if anybody wants to help, has extra stickers, pass them on please to Dramina National School. And a quick recap on events that have been cancelled for this evening that we've been notified here at C103. Bulgadin Castle in Kilmalak, they're um, cancelled for tonight. The Clondrahad Bingo and Lotto is all cancelled. Bingo cancelled at the Del Quinn Hall in Cantark. Cards are cancelled in Rock Chapel. The Enrolment Open Night cancelled at Skull Isagon Infants School in Mallow. That's a new date for that is next Monday, the 4th of February at 7 pm. And bingo has been cancelled in Fomoy Community Youth Centre. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, as we've been hearing all morning, nearly 40,000 nurses have taken to the picket 
trade lines today. But the government is arguing that conceding to their pay demands would end up completely undermining its budgetary position at a time of significant risk posed by Brexit. We're going to go to the picket line and speak to some of the nurses that are picketing in the North Cork area. Eileen Walsh is with the INMO Communications Office and she is a public health nursing services and she's picketing at the Mallow Primary Healthcare uh, Centre. Good afternoon to you, Eileen. Good afternoon. Uh, and and you, can you outline to our listeners, Eileen, why nurses want 12% extra by way of a pay rise? Well, I'll just give you a background to it, Patricia. First of all, I just want to say we really do not want to be on strike. You know, nurses want to be at the bedside all the time, not on a picket line. But we have a duty of care to advocate for our patients. Our patients really deserve the best quality care we can give them. But to deliver that care, we need nurses. And it has been well shown that for the past number of years, because nurses are not paid sufficiently, they are uh, they're leaving the country. So it's you know we're paying a lot of money, t- taxpayers' money, to educate these nurses, and we're sending them abroad. You know, it's having a long term. It is going to have a long term effect. So you, so so your argument is, if if nurses at home were paid better, these nurses who have gone to Australia, to Canada, cross the water to England, they would return home. Certainly, they would. Absolutely, is you know, all the other countries pay nurses better. They work shorter weeks. In Ireland, they're the worst paid of all the developed countries that they are that they've gone to, and also they have the longer working week, and that is taking into. Uh, account that we're saying that nurses work 39 hours a week, whereas we know nurses come into work before their roster's time to get handover and they have to stay on longer to give handover at the end of their shift. But the argument coming from the government, uh, A, they simply can't afford it and even if they could afford it, if they give in to your demands, it's going to be unfair and other health workers and other people in the public sector other members of the public sector will leapfrog onto the back of it and everybody will be looking for more money and the country certainly can't afford that. Well, Patricia, the bottom line is that nurses are the worst paid of all the uh, professionals. They start off at around 7,000 less than the other um, health professionals and throughout their life, they never, ever catch up. So physios, OT, speech and language therapists get more money than nurses all the way through. Nurses are also the lowest paid graduate health professionals um, and with, with, with regard to other public service sectors such as teachers and Gardaí, they don't compare. Well, I was looking at figures from the Department of Public uh, Expenditure who maintained that 82% of all nurses and midwives are on a basic salary of more than 40000 and then when you add in the allowances and the premium payments you put an extra 11000 on top of that and I have to say we did have some commentary in from nurses earlier who there was one nurse in particular was saying she earned €50,000 last year she accepts that's not a bad wage packet but it was the amount of money her take-home pay was when you take taxes and pension and USE. I think she was down 20000 when that was taken out of it. Can I just tell you, Patricia, that the starting salary for a staff nurse is 29000 And after 15 years, it goes up to 45000 Now, 
if they have extra qualifications, they might get an allowance. But the allowance is generally one thousand to two and a half thousand for postgraduate qualifications in a specific area. They do get on social allowance if they're working on night duty, if they work on Christmas Day, they do get um they do get additional payments. Which they deserve to get. I think anybody would accept that they deserve yeah. to get that. Okay, stay there because I want to bring in uh, Phyllis Mullen-Jones who has been a nurse for over 30 years and she is on the strike committee outside Mallow General Hospital. Uh, good afternoon to you, Phyllis. Good afternoon, Patricia. Thank you very much for having us on. What's the what's the support like? I know at Mallow General Hospital you're a bit outside of the town, but uh, what kind of a support are you getting on the picket line in Mallow? Well, we're getting very good support here on the picket line. Mallow Town has always supported Mallow General, as you know, over the years. And our patients have are very supportive of us because we've always given very good care and we're very good to follow through. Uh, can I make a point of note there, um, actually, on what you were saying, like you were saying about the money. Basically, the government here is spending two million a week on agency nurses, which is a total of 100 million a year, if you're wondering where the money is coming, Tricia. And also, to make a note of what you were talking about earlier, about the public service agreements. The government, we signed up to public service agreements last year on the proviso that it was recognised by the government that we had a special case regarding recruitment and retention. A commission was to be set up, it was to be independent, whereby the government was going to abide by that commission. And Pascal O'Donovan came into that commission and told them categorically not to pay the nurses. Just to clarify that five points. Okay, uh, but, but, but that argument that if they pay the nurses... But it was um, an agreement that we stood up with the government, we signed on to the public service agreement on the grounds that they would look at the recruitment retention and they would deal favourably with it, which they didn't do fair when Pascal O'Donoghue went in and told them not to give pay nurse a pay rise to the nurse. And, and what about the other public service unions? Will they all feel if the nurses no, get their way? No, well, this was, this was a special, especially designed for the nurses because I think any of the, the country, uh, people working in the rest of the country and departments will understand we've lost 20,000 nurses in the last 10 years. My own daughter has gone to Australia there in January because why, Patricia? She was getting five viewers above the basic pay the, um, of 9.50, five viewers above that. So per week, you're talking about 200 viewers after tax PRSI. That is 100 viewers into her pocket, Tricia. Okay, so do you agree with um, the point that Eileen was making that, that if we pay nurses better, do you believe nurses like your daughter will come back? She spent a year, she felt she had to give a year to the Cork University. That is what she felt. She wanted to go after her training. I said, no, I'm a union rep here. I would give, maintain that they need to say and give their hospital a year. And she did that. But like, I saw her pay packets. On a flat week, she had 100 euros more than anybody else on a minimum wage would be taking home. Do Some nurses who are higher would get those figures that you were quoting. But you're talking about doing a lot of nights, a lot of weekends very unsociable hours for people. Women going in at quarter to eight in the morning to the Cork University and here to Mallow, taking report and not leaving that hospital till half nine at night. There's extra hours being given to the health service executive for years, propping up the health service executive, and there is no recognition for this. And at the moment, if we don't stop it, Patricia, we will have no health service. We love yeah. new, open new beds, 
There is no nurses there to open those new beds. We need new beds. We have 50-something patients on average in the A&E every day. And I have to say, the goodwill towards nurses is just incredible by members of the general public. And if it was down to the general public, you'd have your pay increase uh, and the rest. Uh, There's just such a a feeling of of goodwill out there. And, I mean, the last place you want to be today on a bitterly cold day is Um, is out on strike. Especially in Mallow Hospital here. Most of our clientele are elderly. We're very committed to those elderly patients. We actually go out of our way quite a lot in Mallow to make sure from the minute from starting outpatient right through to pre-admission to theatre, we follow through. We be nurses here in Mallow make calls they shouldn't be called. We are the main centre person that pulls together the radiographers, the OTs, the respiratory technician. We're the ones making those calls, making sure every single thing is done to that patient before they leave the door and that they have every single letter going out that door, that they have everything that they're ready to go. And uh, And we need people to hold good nurses here, really, uh, Patricia. We do, we do. And Eileen, are you getting a good reaction on the picket line at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre? We are. We're very. We're getting a very positive reaction, I suppose, from the general public. But also, I suppose, because a lot of our uh, care is home based, we're getting very positive feedback from the patients that we are caring for at home because okay. they they see what we do on a day to day basis. It's just not having nurses on the picket line. We know them from literally from the the time a baby is born until the grandmother dies. We're involved with that family. Okay, absolutely. Listen, listen. Absolutely. We thank you both. Uh, and we can, Patricia. May I thank the local businesses that have supported the picket line this morning? Okay. Um, and they gave up tea sandwiches. Did thank good. you very much. Good. Andrew, good. Yeah. We would actually. Mallow uh, people always supported the hospital, Patricia. Yeah, they, they always the do. Here. They always do. Yeah. All and right. We can thank you. Uh, reiterate that with food capers feeding us here all day. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks a million, Phyllis uh, Mullen Jones is outside Mallow General Hospital and Eileen. Walsh uh, is at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. Two of our local nurses who are on strike today. This is day one of the strike by the INMO. There are further strikes planned for next Tuesday and Thursday with three consecutive strikes uh, due on February 12th. 13th and uh, 14th 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 if you've got a question for Peter Dowdle by the way get it in because I'll be joining Peter in a couple of minutes I've just been told there's a collision between Carrick Tool and Middleton which is showing even though there's a thaw on at the moment you really need to drive with extreme care and when you get collisions like that because I know there was a big tailback of traffic on the Cork Limerick Road Cork Mallow Road last night and that was down to uh, an accident so that was when you get accidents like that it causes a lot of delays uh, as well which adds to the frustration of people who are already late getting somewhere uh, because of the weather so drive with extreme care and if you can avoid that area at the moment where that collision has been sorted out uh, Carrick, Tuhill and Middleton and the McCroom Civic Amenity site that we mentioned earlier was closed that has reopened that is the Civic Amenity site in McCroom Mary says Hi Trish this is talking about stupidity and stupid people driving cars when somebody was talking about that they saw, saw a woman putting on her foundation and her lipstick while driving in icy conditions this morning. She's obviously laid out of the bed. Mary says, I met a car coming out of a side road turning onto a sharp bend. The woman was drying her hair, nearly came into the side of my car. If I hadn't tooted 
I mightn't be here today, says Mary. People really need to just 100% focus on your driving, please. And can you just forget about everything else? When we're talking about people getting docked, I also work in a job. If I'm one minute late, I am docked 15 minutes, regardless of the weather conditions, regardless of any excuse. And someone says it's not only those who are docked 15 minutes from pay, but those who have leave days also. I don't quite understand that. We're talking about people being late for work, so I don't quite understand uh, your comment uh, there. Okay, and they are comments for Peter. Let's take a break and we're back chatting with the IrishGardener.com. Peter Daddle. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Texts coming in to the programme. Nolan Cantark. For me, not turning up for work doesn't apply. As if I do not go to work, I simply won't get paid. That's the way I look at it. Nurses are not at work today getting paid. I feel they're on a good wage. I work with animals. I would not leave animals go untreated. Why would nurses leave patients go untreated today? Well, firstly, they don't get paid. If they don't show up for work today, they don't get paid. They will get strike, a small amount of strike pay from their union, but they don't. The ones that don't, the ones that obviously do go to work get paid, but the ones that don't turn up for work today who are out on the picket line are not uh, getting paid. But I know the point you're making that if you don't go to work, your animals uh, will suffer. Joe in Bantry, I am fully in support of the nurses as I've had to travel to CUH a lot over the last few years and at one point I was speaking to a nurse who was explaining to me that she had to look after 18 patients over three wards that is highly stressful so I support them as they supported me when I was in university in Cork University Hospital and that's the point that I was making to the two girls the two nurses who joined me when I was talking to them there is a huge outpouring of support for nurses and a huge appreciation and people only get to appreciate nurses when you end up in a situation like that when you end up in hospital and it's then you realise the role the nurses play and the work that nurses do and I know I was up in CUH between September and December of this year visiting a, a very very a person very dear to me that unfortunately we lost just before Christmas but I got to see nurses in action and, and I got to see them and they they are very stressed and they are very stretched and you kind of were looking at them particularly if you were trying to eyeball them because you were trying to get their attention you needed a bit of help with your loved one or, or you could see that a patient was trying to get a, a bit of help and it struck me that nurses and I don't know if it's part of their training, nurses have started doing what air hostesses do on plane. Do you ever watch an air hostess walk down a plane and they have this knack of not eyeballing you? You know, when you're looking for something and they just have this knack of doing it. And it struck me while I was up at CUH during those months last year that nurses have developed that skill and it's not a skill that they want to develop but they, if they need to get from A to B they don't want to get you know sidetracked by somebody looking for something so they just develop the skill they won't eyeball you and they'll just get to whatever they're trying to do and so yes so I absolutely accept that nurses work extremely uh, hard I'm told Peter Dowdle uh, uh, joins me uh, we thought he was stuck maybe somewhere in snow good afternoon to you Peter Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? And a happy New Year to you. It's the it's, you. it's our first of of 2019, and the one day we decide to have you back on. Look what happens with with the weather. That's it. I was just going to say, you know, yesterday I was thinking, God, you know, spring is coming, so I'm back on the radio during yeah. the gardening, and then overnight. <laughs> and that's the problem, isn't it, with this time of year? And that's why doing stuff and trying to plant stuff in the garden can be a bit tricky at this time of year. Well, it can. The the the. the 
you know, you 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 probably saw a lot of them yourself, Trish, and, and I certainly had. The, you'd see a lot of plants that were in flower, and you might think out of season. I'm not talking about daffodils and things like that, which just might be in flower a bit early because it was so mild. That's fine. But there were things like roses still in flower, and I was up in the Montanati Hotel there last week in in Tivoli, and and they had alstroemerias, which should be in totally fast asleep and they were in full flower not just one or two flowers they were in full flower in the middle of January when they should be dormant under the ground so things like that were a bit strange but what that was was plants which hadn't gone to sleep for the winter if you like it's not that they were flowering early for 2019 they were flowering late for 2018 yeah. so now what's happening now is this is going to put manners on them and this is going to put them all fast asleep so it's going to kill off things like that uh, and the daffodils hopefully will, 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 should come through it's like getting snow at this time of the year and getting extreme cold weather at this time of the year is fine it's seasonal it's it's from the point of view of, of plants and horticulture it's fine the problem is what happened last year uh, or it wasn't really a problem but it could have been it's when we get it late so in other words if we're getting snow in January and February is fine if we get snow in March or April it becomes which is what, which is what happened and I mean we were only talking before Christmas the fact that daffodils had flowered early and it's wonderful to, I was driving to work this morning and seeing the yellow of the daffodil against the white of the snow magical yeah, yeah I didn't see that but yeah. must have been magical yeah. yeah it was just gorgeous and actually some pe- people have been sending in photographs including somebody who sent in my primroses among the snow and there's this gorgeous vibrant red primrose with a little bit of yellow in the middle surrounded oh, by snow and it, and it really looks lovely and actually I mentioned yesterday I spotted on it I don't know if it was on your Facebook page or not but somebody's sending in a photograph of a double headed daffodil Yes, oh, there are. There's, there's many. Yeah, there are. There are. They're lovely. I actually, for my money, there are so many different uh, species of narcissus to give them their correct name. There's thousands probably, but for my money, it's the common single yellow daffodil. I think is the nicest of all. Yeah, they're gorgeous. They're, they're gorgeous, and they're lovely. I love them in the house as well. They're, they've got. They're one of my favourite flowers. I have to. I have to Hard fess up and say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Straight in. We we are getting questions. In Bridget said, "Would you ask Peter, please? Can I cut back a carpet rose, and what's the right time uh, to do it if I can?" When you can is the short answer. And carpet roses are are they really are a tough, resilient old plant. The correct time of the year to do it would be before the end of February. Now, I obviously wouldn't go out, um, like what you were saying at the start of the piece, Trish, when people are trying to go out and do things this time of the year, it gets quite difficult. So, yes, like I wouldn't, be, you can plant throughout this season, but the only times that you wouldn't plant or that you wouldn't do some pruning or even cut the lawn are when the, when the garden is either saturated, like waterlogged, or when it's frozen. So I wouldn't go out today, even with the best one in the world, and I'm sure she's not thinking of it, going out today to do it. But if it wasn't snowing, you could be doing it during this, this period. So anytime before the end of February, you can you can cut them back and cut them back quite hard. There's, there's no mystery to it. You could literally take a head shears to them and just cut them back hard and you'll get good lush new growth. They're such a vigorous plant, the carpet roses, Trish. I'd also recommend giving them a summer prune as well. So after they've given their first flush of flowers during the summer, cut them back again, keep them in check, and you will get a second flush. A listener says, I got a Christmas cactus as a present for Christmas. It blossomed over the holidays, but what to do with it now? Does it need repotting? Do I need to keep it in the dark or in the sunshine? Indoor, outdoor, please advise. You, you could nearly answer that I could, yeah. I could. Uh, well, you give the advice and then I'll tell you my Christmas cactus story. Go on. Yes. Well, don't, don't do anything really yeah. is the answer. Well, it may need repotting. It's hard to answer that without seeing it. So if you think it's physically getting too big for the pot and it's kind of nearly 
breaking the pot nearly with the plastic pot, then certainly repot it. It won't do it any harm. But in terms of, no, it's not like the poncettias or the Christmas hyacinths. It doesn't need periods of darkness and light or anything like that. It will naturally flower in the winter. It may not flower at Christmas, uh, but it will naturally flower kind of during the period November to February. So I would leave well alone in the position that it's in if it's doing well, if it's not looking sick. Don't overwater it. Do give it a couple of drops of, of uh, bio-gold, plant food. Give it a few, a, bit, a few drops of that during the growing season uh, and leave well alone. It should be OK. And it definitely doesn't need to be overwatered because at the end of the day, it is a cactus, isn't it? It is yes. part of, of the yes. cactus family. My, I had a gorgeous Christmas cactus at home that flowered early and I'd been discussing that with you. It was back in October. It flowered and it was gorgeous. And then I was saying, oh, it's, gonna, it's not going to, it'll be gone for Christmas. Then I was away. I was in Australia for Christmas. So I was away for the bones of over three weeks. And while I was away, it reflowered. And oh, I came back to this gorgeous, um, and the, there's still one or two left. I was thrilled, absolutely it thrilled. Have, it, it must have been missing you. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And that, <laughs> that is just literally left on a windowsill in a bathroom. And it just gets little or no attention. It's, yeah. it's, it's one they of They don't the, need much. They really don't. Yeah. Could you ask Peter, please, what is the best solution to remove moss from tarmac? I have my daughter getting married in March and our tarmac is like a blanket of moss, thanking you. The best thing to use is, there's loads of things, we've spoken about this at length over the years, Trish, uh, in terms of, in fact, if you want to go out and de-ice the tarmac now with the salt, um, that would also have the added benefit of killing off the moss. The salt would kill it. Just be careful where that is running off to. If it's running into a drain, that's fine, but if it's running off into into your lawn or into the, the flower beds, then then don't because it'll be too salty and it'll kill everything. But the it's funny, I'm kind of laughing to myself because I, I did this my on Sunday, I think it was, uh, I put down the, the Moscow probiotic. So Moscow, which is a, a well-known brand, they do a probiotic now, uh, moss and algae killer, and it's very, very effective. Uh, I use that on Sunday. You, you mix it with water, just drench the area, and it'll kill it off you. But uh, I don't think, I don't know if it, if, it, if it qualifies as organic. I don't know if it's certified organic. I just didn't check it, maybe. But it's certainly an environmentally sound product. It's not going to cause damage to, to, to insects and wildlife. So the Moscow probiotic would be the one to use. And Sheila says, I transplanted a little lemon cypress tree a few days ago. Will it survive the frost and cold weather we're experiencing at the moment? It, it should be fine. I'm, I'm not familiar with that name. It's, if it's a type of cypress, an actual cypress, like the compressors trees, uh, I think nearly all, in fact, I know all the compressors will be will be tolerant of this cold weather. Um, if it's, however, if it's a common name for something else, when, when I hear the word lemon, if it was a citrus, absolutely no, it wouldn't be fine outside if it was a real lemon tree. But if it's a, a lemon-coloured cypress, which is what I'm imagining, a golden cypress, then it should be absolutely fine, yeah. OK, and the listener says, I cut my grass twice in December and did it again twice this month. Is, is Surely that's a record. It could be a record night. Would he come up to my place? <laughs> yeah. mine? One thing I should have just said, going back, going back there on the cypress, the cypress trees and that would be fine being planted out, and they'd be fine in this weather. However, if it was inside, if it was in a centrally heated house and it was just moved out, like in the last couple of days, then that might be a bit too much of a shock to it. All right, it's not that it wouldn't tolerate the cold; it would just need a period of acclimatization. So that's just something to bear in mind where it was before you planted it. If it's been outside all winter, then you just plant it, then it'll be fine. But if it went from indoors to outdoors, it might be a bit too severe. And just staying on the lawns then, yeah. the person who cut, cut it twice in December, twice in January, did I, it's a question I've been dealing with a lot this winter. 
people have been asking me, should they be cutting the lawn? The answer is absolutely yes. If it needs cutting, cut it. But like I referred to there earlier, you you just wouldn't go near the lawn when it's actually frozen. You couldn't get at it now for most guards that would be covered in snow. But you wouldn't touch the lawn when it's actually frozen or waterlogged. But okay. if it's if it's 9 or 10 degrees like it has been, put away. Okay, and, and by all accounts, we have wonderful weather back for, for next week. Nice mild weather again, so we will get out and enjoy it. Okay, uh, thank you for that, Pete. And we'll uh, talk to you next week. Thanks a million. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, the IrishGardener.com. We were talking about driving tests and in particular poor Helen in Kilmalik who was in her 60s and she's failed numerous occasions. Um, A friend of mine failed her driving test in Mallow on two occasions. This was back in the 70s, says this texter. She then applied to Skibbereen that you're hearing about this morning and she passed first time round. Skibbereen seems to be the place if you want to pass your uh, driving test. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara. Very, very very busy show so thanks to everybody who contributed in uh, any way for all your calls and texts we'll be back with you tomorrow morning and hopefully the roads won't be as tricky as they were this morning so just look after yourself and drive safely until tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock I'm Patricia Messenger stay tuned Nick Richards with you for the afternoon Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.